Hey there, it's your friend Tig. I just wanted to pop in here to remind everybody to vote. Voting day is November 8th, and I know some people think midterms aren't as important, and they are. They're equally as important, if not sometimes more important. So please mark it on your calendar, make a plan, tell your friends and family to do so also, and let's get this world on track. All right, go vote November 8th. Now on to my episode with May Martin. I bought those four leaf clovers on eBay and, and then I hadn't, yeah. I hadn't really realized what a sign that was that you're in a weird place until you pointed that out kindly. <laughs> but, yeah, that, <laughs> I just thought I want to be lucky, but I don't want to go to the great lengths of searching for hundreds of four leaf clovers. So I bought them on eBay. But you know who ended up being the luckiest person? Who Your kids? Well, I did appreciate you giving my kids some prepackaged four leaf clovers <laughs> that you bought online. But I would say the person that sold them to you and the other people that bought four leaf clovers online, that is one lucky person just raking in cash. Yeah. I don't know how she's doing it, how she's finding them all. I think maybe she's gluing leaves onto three leaf clovers, but I don't want to know that. It's a good way to spend time. Yeah. <laughs> This is Don't Ask Tig. I'm Tig Notaro, and I feel good about you not asking. <laughs> With me now is an award-winning comedian, actor, and writer. And on top of that, they're Canadian. They co-created, wrote, and starred in the Netflix show Feel Good. You can also see them on HBO's The Flight Attendant. May Martin, welcome to Don't Ask Tig. Thank you so much for having me. What an honor. Oh, May, stop. I meant it sarcastically. No, I'm joking. It is a, it's an honor. <laughs> oh, it's an honor to have you. Well, you haven't seen any of my work, but I appreciate it. <laughs> I have. I've researched you. When we went to lunch, I was without a little bit of information. But I also did a TV taping with you for Netflix yes. and saw you perform and was like... Wow, you've got it. <laughs> um, so I discovered you. You discovered me. Three months ago. <laughs> and it uh, felt good. But you and I have become pals since that taping, wouldn't you say? Or am I big talking here? No, I've been pursuing your, your friendship. And that was such a fun lunch. And then it's and then this is our second hangout, really, is this podcast. I know. I know. But we also have loose plans to have lunch again. Yes, I'm down. I want to become a vegan and how has that been going? Terribly, I can tell. Yeah, it only happens when I'm with you and I've only been with you once. Yeah. But I found a, a Mexican vegan place that I, I really want to go to. And you'll bring me? Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Good. Well, that's all the time we have <laughs> today. No, it's truly a pleasure to have you. I think you are hilarious. Ditto. And I think you are very talented. And I told you on a text recently, I believe, that you feel like a new old friend to me. Ditto. 
Yeah, I really felt that. And then I never know if that's, yeah. I'm like, is that, I don't think it's just because I have like an encyclopedic knowledge of your work. <laughs> I think I genuinely was oh. like, I knew we'd get along. And, and then we did. Yeah, I was just like, wow, that's so crazy. Like, it's so, I'm 51 years old. You're not. But at my age, it, are you drinking alcohol? No, I'm drinking cold brew in a wine glass. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, but you knew I would have to have a question about that. I, you couldn't have just. <laughs> I didn't actually know I was being eccentric. Like, I have no other clean glasses, but uh-huh. cold brew makes me, I mean, look out. I'm going to be crazy. Yeah. Well, that's, of course, eccentric to be on a podcast drinking out of a wine glass, and some cold <laughs> brew. Yeah. But to get back to our, our, new our friendship. old friendship, our old friendship that is new. It may be like a shared language of just being in comedy, having similar experiences. I, I don't know, because there's a lot of comedians that I don't, especially what I was going to say is I'm 51 and I meet a lot of people and I'm not like, oh, this I'd love to be friends with this person. I'll maybe have lunch or be at something with them. And I'm like, they're great. And I never think about them again. And then I was like, I love me some May. Oh, that's the best. Yeah, ditto. Ditto. That's so nice. Now, your TV show, Feel Good, it's Mm. semi-autobiographical. What is the most important thing, would you say, for the audience to learn about who you are? Oh, that's a cool question. I think just very flawed. Uh I think the character is kind of where I was at 10 or 15 years ago, although really still am figuring Uh everything out and very kind of romantic, but also all over the place. I don't know. I think people maybe find it helpful seeing people who are a mess. Do you feel like you're a mess? Well, no. I mean, I guess if you're a mess, you can't write the TV show if you're an actual mess. But um, yeah, I have my moments for sure. Yeah. Okay. Now, May, as we talked about at our lunch and as your show talks about, you are open about the role addiction plays in your life. Do you find comedy to be an addiction? I'm definitely a workaholic in general, and I derive Mm. probably too much of my self-worth from my work and career. I think that ambition has helped me get over some other more harmful addictions probably but i've never been one of those people who's like i gotta be on stage every night like yeah i love when a show gets canceled i love to not do comedy as well when a tv show gets canceled no 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 like um live live comedy oh yeah. oh i was like well that's interesting no that would be devastating yeah 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 <laughs> yeah i was like that i wonder what that is saying about my new friend may if you like your TV shows to be canceled and... Um, <laughs> I love when my TV shows get canceled. <laughs> Guess what? You're out of work. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hurrah. Do you like crave live stand-up? I used to. I mean, I've been doing it 25 years and I've learned we've kind of been doing it the same amount of time. Yeah. Which is insane. Yeah. But I think in the beginning, yeah, I was maybe more like that. Yeah. I was on stage, I would say six or seven nights a week. Mm. And whether it was an open mic or a booked show or whatever it was, I was always working out new material. And I have places where I can get on stage in LA and do 30 minutes or over an hour if I want. And I try and utilize those types of shows to work through things and get myself ready to go with material to tour with. But I also, you know, I'm married, I have kids. Yeah. It's no judgment about others, but I truly, I don't want to be out at clubs every night. I want to be at home. Yeah. And I think someone said the definition of an addiction is when 
you're doing something that you crave, find relief in, and uh, can't stop doing despite it having negative consequences in your life. So it's, I think when it becomes an addiction is when it's having negative consequences that you're aware of and you still are doing it. So yeah, if you were out every night and your kids were like, who's take, then yeah, (laughs) yeah, then that would be an addiction. Right. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. I know I'm not addicted to stand up. I might have been. No, it was an addiction because it wasn't negative, but who cares about me? (laughs) Now, as I mentioned, you've been doing this a very long time. You've been pursuing comedy since you were 13. Yeah. Well, I started doing like Second City improv classes and stuff when I was 13 and then started doing stand up at the end of that year. How do you get into that world so young and so quickly? It's a really good question for my parents that I don't know. I had a really long leash. Is that what they say? I wasn't on an actual leash. Yeah. (laughs) It sounds like you should have been. Yeah. Honestly. You're the one kid where people would have been like, yeah, absolutely. Completely. Put a collar on that kid. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I found my passion and what I want to do. And I was really Mm -hmm. stubborn. And then it was mainly just this one club in Toronto where it wasn't like a club club. It was technically a theater. So there was no age restriction. But okay. also this was like 2000, 2001. So people would just turn a blind eye to the weird 14 year old. When I was 13, there's no world where I would get on stage and do anything. I mean, what was it in you? That's fascinating. I know I was a, an outgoing kid and I, and I don't know, I probably felt different at school and uh-huh. and then found this world where people were being applauded for their differences and people were up on stage making fun of themselves and so it was maybe yeah. cathartic to go on stage and be like i'm a piece of shit. and then everyone would laugh and i'd be like oh great now i'm in control of it you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah wow whenever i hear about kids that get started that early and stuff i just when i think back on myself i'm like i had a greasy bull haircut yeah <laughs> i think i might have still wet my pants sometimes you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. there was no room for me to get on stage, even though there was plenty to laugh at yeah. about me. And is there any advice you would give your 13-year-old self? Oh, I'd be like, wait, four years. Yeah, d- what are you doing? Yeah. Oh, I would say don't impersonate other comedians. I think probably most of my teens, I was just kind of cycling through people I was a fan of and then just mimicking their manner. Like, Who is that? So like at first I was like, I'm, I'm kind of, I think I'm kind of like a, I think I'm kind of like a Bill Hicks kind of, uh-huh. <laughs> which I could not be less. And I would go on stage with a cigarette and smoke. And uh, well, that was the time you're yeah. like around 2000. Yeah. Everybody was Bill Hicks. Everyone was, yeah. And smoking. But imagine this kid, I'd go in my school uniform sometimes like smoking. Uh-huh. People would be like, so concerned <laughs> for my well-being. When did you start smoking? I smoked maybe 12 or 13 to 20. See, I was 11 to 25. Really? Yeah. Were there cigarettes in the house and stuff? Oh, everyone was smoking. So I could just hang out in my room and smoke cigarettes. and Nobody would know that anything smelled weird anywhere. Same. And um, everybody called me Huckleberry Tig. That's amazing. You know. I can picture it so clearly. (laughs) Did you ever have like a toothpick in your mouth or like a piece of straw? I mean, I would say... In the last five years or so, I've given up toothpicks, but I used to really have a toothpick situation. Really? Maybe it's longer than five years, but yeah, I was real toothpicky. Like an oral fixation, maybe. Yeah, and just I always get stuff in my teeth and right. just digging around. Plus, it looks cool. It looks really cool. Yeah. So you'd say wait four years before you get on stage. Don't 
try to be cool. Don't impersonate other comedians. All right. Now, May, is it true that you not only enjoy, but actually love it when you're bombing on stage? Because if this is true, this is something we have in common. I want to have good shows, but if it goes south, I always think, boy, is this silly. It's so funny. It's Yeah, I completely agree. I think, I mean, I love watching people bomb. I find it so heroic and hilarious. Uh And then, yeah, when I'm bombing and I'm like, I've sat down and thought this was going to be funny. Yeah. And these people don't like, it's hilarious. Yeah. (laughs) Not only did you sit down and think it was funny, you probably got on a plane and flew there, (laughs) checked into a hotel room, left your loved ones behind because you believed so deeply in this material. Yeah. Yeah. I was once flown to Serbia to do Uh stand-up in an opera house with about 14 other comedians. This huge bill that was just really badly organized. Like, there's not a lot of stand-up in Serbia. No one really knew what was happening. Yeah, it's not really known for for (laughs) stand-up. Yeah. I got my start in Serbia. Before I went on stage, they were like, oh, and maybe don't mention anything gay as well. And I was, mm-hmm. At that time, I, I didn't have any material that wasn't gay. Uh, you know, I was like 24 yeah. or something. And right. I bombed so hard. Like it was silent. And then people were like heckling or booing. And, and I just couldn't stop laughing because I've been flown <laughs> all the way there. I knew I had to then go and face the organizers after. I just, I mean, I was ashamed and horrified, but I was, I couldn't stop laughing. Yeah, it's that thing of once you're not supposed to laugh and then you laugh yeah. even harder. Yeah. And and this is not a funny thing, but I saw somebody trapped in one of those situations. And it was when I was in junior high school. The girl that never said a word at all, not a peep, the principal came over the intercom and announced that the space shuttle had exploded. She (laughs) went into a fit of hysterical laughter. No. And it was the craziest thing because nobody (laughs) had heard anything out of her. And there she was trapped in this like psychotic cackle over this horrendous tragedy And we were all in like seventh or eighth grade and just trapped also in our own confusion of like, this is the saddest news, but (laughs) also, oh my God, (laughs) that girl is laughing so hard. Was she like cry laughing? Like We'll discuss that after uh, we get into the advice (laughs) for our listeners here, May. Okay, great. You live, I think, somewhat a bit in Britain, correct? Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, the first question comes from a fellow UK transplant. Oh, great. Alice writes, I moved to England from Texas four years ago with my husband and two young kids because my husband is British. Hmm. We were only going to stay for a few years, but now we've made lovely friends and such backwards politics in the States makes us nervous to go home. But I miss my parents and sister and other friends and family so badly. Hmm. I think about it every day and I'm so torn about what to do. When I hear this, I'm like, (laughs) stay put and just visit the States. Yeah. I mean, and I don't know, I can't assume, Alice, that you have the money to go back and forth. But if you do, I would say, go visit your friends and family, have them come visit you. But if you are happier 
with the politics of Britain. I mean, England's politics are bleak right now. Well, I was going to say, I mean, how do you decide between the two? But how do you decide between the two? Or you don't even think about that. It's just kind of work. I don't know where I live right now. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm kind of between both places, but, uh, yeah. And I just am going where, where the work is, but long-term, if I was going to take like a family and settle somewhere, yeah, maybe I'd go England cause free healthcare and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the abortions if you want them and like the, the fun accents, the fun accent. accents. No, you, well, I guess there's several. There's several. There's a yeah. hundred. You drive a block and yeah. there's a different accent. Yeah. 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 She started mm-hmm. off by listing all these positive things and she's mm-hmm. in love with it. She has this new friend group. I think change is always good. She's going to grow exponentially. All right, Alice. Listen to May. Hope that advice helps. <laughs> well, and uh, <laughs> May, let's take a break and then we'll return shortly with more questions. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. You can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Macy's, Sephora, and Zappos. And even stack deals on top of cash back. It's easy to use and you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. May, this next question was sent in by... Trish. Trish writes, Tig, I am looking for a gift to send to my 35-year-old brother who will soon be celebrating his one year sober. It has been a long and emotional road and I don't want the day to pass without doing something a little extra for him. Any suggestions would be very appreciated. Hmm. How long have you been sober? Well, I, I'm not like teetotal or whatever. Like uh-huh. I've had a really specific Coke problem and uh-huh. I haven't done Coke in many years. And so how long have you been <laughs> sober? Like give or take. Like, I mean, with a few slip ups, a long time, 10 years, 12 years, 15 years. So since I was 20. It sounds like, are you making things up? I, I don't know why I'm panicking. I feel like I'm going to get <laughs> drug tested, but I don't do Coke. I, it's a terrible thing. <laughs> you're acting like you're on Coke. <laughs> Five years, 10 years, 15. I don't know. Why, I know. Who's asking? Who wants to know? I know. It's like, I want to be totally honest. But yeah, I would say like 15 years. Okay. Is there anything that you would want? Yes. What? A hundred percent. If this guy is anything like me, then um, 
he's going to replace that addiction with like adrenaline and wanting to be busy and fill his time. So something like a slip and slide or a, oh, there's this game called Wethead that I really recommend. It's like a hat that has a bucket of water on it. And then one by one, you take turns wearing it and pulling out these sticks. And then, you know, one person's going to get wet. Now, May, <laughs> when do you play Wethead? Is that what it is? Yeah, Wethead, you, you know, with friends at home or... When's the last time you played Wethead? Uh, in May. The last time I was in England, I played it at my house. Okay. It makes a mess. Sounds like it. But you chant Wethead, Wethead. <laughs> How old is this guy? It, I hope you, yeah. How old are you? I'm 35. <laughs> All right. Now, a slip and slide. Do you have one? I don't have one of those. That'd be a great gift for me. Okay. Well, forget we ever talked about it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> or maybe like, a, you know, an escape room or go-karting, like an adrenaline-fueled activity. Okay, great. Well, I can't argue with that. Trish, you are clearly a very thoughtful sister. Congratulations to your brother. And May, this next listener is struggling with a recent shift in leadership. Hmm. Margot writes, I manage a small office of five employees. Recently, the company we work for purchased another firm in our town, and I will manage the combined office. Hmm. The problem is we do not have a dress code, but they do. We can wear whatever we want to work, jeans, sneakers, t-shirts. Their office has a no jeans policy. On Fridays, employees can wear jeans, but they have to pay a dollar. At the end of the year, (laughs) they choose a charity to give the jeans fund to. As the manager of this new blended team, I don't want to insist my current employees adhere to the other company's dress code nor do I want to take away the other team's very nice charity fundraiser. And there's no way we could have some wearing jeans while others have to pay a dollar. Help! Oh boy, Margot. <laughs> Find a different way to raise money. Yeah. And tell everyone to dress however they want. Yeah, like she didn't really entertain the idea of just saying, oh, everyone can wear jeans. Yeah. That wasn't even on her radar. Well, she she... didn't want to lose the charity fundraiser element. Yeah. Bake cupcakes, bake muffins. like, Or just have a bowl out and just say, hey, put a dollar in here. Or if somebody says a bad word, how about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Because adults say bad words and you're going to rake in some cash. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Also, she's going to want to blend those two workforces and get everybody to get to know each other anyway. So have a monthly Mm -hmm. team building day where you play wethead, you'd slip and slide, you bond. Yeah, I just I can't get behind the everyone has to, you know, pay a dollar to wear jeans. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You're talking to comedians. Margo, what are you doing writing in to Don't Ask Tig to ask one of the most casual people. Famously casual. Famously casual. I worked in a call center once and I had to wear business attire. <laughs> it was a really weird call center where there were sort of two head women. One was this woman, Wanda, was kind of like the boss of the upper floor. Hey, Wanda. Wanda, shout out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then there was Rita, who was the bottom floor, and they hated each other. Yo, Rita. Yo, Rita. Rita was wild. Oh, my God. One time she goes, I can get you anything. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, anything you need. Never explained it. 
Um, but yeah, I became friends with one of them and then Wanda got mad and uh, she started doing this thing where she would walk by my cubicle and go, rat patrol. <laughs> she's calling me, <laughs> she's calling me a rat just because I was friends with Rita. Like I just got there. I didn't know the politics and the interpersonal. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess I made some missteps socially by talking to Rita on the lower floor when I was technically a Wanda mm, person, okay. and they hated okay. each other. Rat Patrol. Can you imagine? Anytime I walked by her, she'd say it. My Rat good. Patrol. <laughs> May, you have really been through it, haven't you? Yeah. Well, all right. Well, it makes you the interesting person you are today. <laughs> Thank you. Margo, that's our two cents. 98 more and we'll be allowed to wear jeans. All right. Best of luck. May, our last listener question was set in by Kevin. Okay. Kevin writes, there is a shop near my house that sells beautiful handmade gift cards, but the artist only charges $6 for each of them. That's about the price for a basic Hallmark card. Her cards are worth way more. I feel funny mentioning that to her though. If you were an artist and an independent business person selling your crafts, how would you feel if one of your customers told you that you should charge more? Should I just mind my own business? <sighs> Kevin, no, <laughs> this is your calling. Sometimes people don't know their worth and um, it would only be flattering. I don't know. No, there's something about Kevin and the way he's like, how concerned he is about it that makes me think there's some ulterior motive that he's not telling us. Like, yeah, he, you're right. We can't trust Kevin. I, I don't trust him really because I'm like, of course, that's so nice. Go, hey, these are worth more. But is it that he knows himself and he knows he's going to do it in a weird way? Like maybe he's going to yell at her? Yeah, yeah. Or belittle her in some way. Kevin, why would you do that? Yeah. Like what if he is being like, I don't know, condescending about her business acumen or something. Uh -huh. I don't know. If his intentions are pure, then totally tell her. But she's probably done the math in her head and put them at an appropriate price level. I don't know. I mean, maybe she's not good at crunching numbers. Yeah. You know, even if I was selling really great things for $6 and somebody came up and screamed in my face <laughs> that I should be charging more. Because they're so beautiful. Yeah, because they're so beautiful. I would not hold on to that with a lot of anger. I would let it go. Probably make me think. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying, Kevin, to yell at this poor woman. Don't scream it, but... Uh-uh. Yeah. Uh -uh. Okay, so try it. See what happens. Yeah. I just feel like there's something else going on. I think he has a crush on her or there's something he's not telling us. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. Maybe you're just trying to sniff stuff out because you've been in the crazy, like, comedy world since you're 13 and you know you can't trust anyone do you feel that way by the way in comedy where you're like there's some shifty shadies yeah or do you feel like ah it's just a great bunch mm, now I, I know the people i like and you just surround yourself with those people but no no there's yeah. shifty shadies 100 yeah. oh wow yeah yeah rat patrol yeah. i'm gonna start doing that rat patrol <laughs> it's like the little quiver in patrol <laughs> rat patrol well if you have control of your voice. Yeah. Voice control. <laughs> All right. Kevin, should I start charging for my podcast? Send me a handmade gift card and let me know. But I, uh, I don't know. I think May is kind of blowing things up on the negative side. I think it's fine. Just let this person know that her art is worth way more. I hope May didn't hear that. May, before <laughs> we say goodbye for now, 
until our next lunch, we have one last thing to do. Okay. It's a segment called Advice of Yesteryear. Oh, cool. When Jerry brags about taking Ginny out, he learns that she dates all the boys. So as we see now, menstruation is just one routine step in a normal and natural cycle. How do you choose a date? Well, one thing you can consider is look. I did everything you said, but my boss still hasn't asked me to lunch. This is where we take a real question from an advice column of yesteryear and try to answer it a little better. This is from a book titled Never Kiss a Man in a Canoe. Words of Wisdom from the Golden Age of Agony Ants by Tanith Carey. This question was sent to a columnist at Boyfriend Magazine in 1960. Wow. Don't say I am too young to help because there's no one else to turn to. Although I am only 13, I'm very advanced for my age and can easily pass for 16. I love a boy of 19 who is going steady with my sister. I know he doesn't love her and is only going out with her to fill in time until I am older. He's as good as told me so. But when I told this to my sister, she laughed and said her boy had only said this to be kind to me and that he'd told her all about it. I don't know who to believe and I don't know what to do. Whoa. May, before we hear what the advice was, what is your advice to this 13-year-old that feels she can pass for 16 who loves her sister's boyfriend? I just have so many questions for the boyfriend. I have red flags that he's being like, I'm just waiting for you. I don't know. That's a weird joke to make Uh to a 13-year-old. And also, when she says, he's as good as told me, maybe she's misinterpreted something. I don't know, but she needs to meet someone her own age and not steal her sister's boyfriend. Yeah. Rat patrol. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) (laughs) It just seems pretty toxic in that household. Yeah. I hope they've all moved out at this point because this is way back when. All right. Do you want to hear what the answer was? Yeah, please. I would advise you to believe your sister and go back to your homework like a good girl. (laughs) For your age, you might be overdeveloped physically, but you seem to be underdeveloped mentally. (laughs) At any age, it's wrong to pinch someone else's boy. Your sister's (laughs) boy is trying to let you down lightly, and your sister probably wouldn't have told you if you hadn't been silly enough to talk to her about it in the first place. Apologize to her. If you do, it will be the first time you've behaved like a grown-up. And once you start acting a little more adult, all your problems will get easier. Wow. That was character assassination. That was an annihilation. I mean, every other word is so abusive. Yeah. It's crazy. (laughs) That'll be the first time you've acted like a (laughs) grown-up. I mean, has this person forgotten that that is a 13-year-old? Yeah, it's. it feels like the sister wrote it. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it really feels like if you could spank somebody with words, Yes, this magazine spanked her. Do your homework like a good girl? I mean, it's so crazy. 
Mm-hmm. I want to yes. see the face of whoever wrote that. Horn-rimmed? Yes, for sure. Horn-rimmed everything. Yeah. <laughs> so 1960, and this person is, uh, I, I can't do the math, but how old is a 13-year-old now? If that's 1960. Uh, 85? Yeah. Do you think that's right? Yeah, that sounds good. 75, 85? 75. 75, okay, yeah. yeah. So wait, what are you saying? We track her down? Well, I was just letting you know roughly how <laughs> old she might be now. Yeah. If you wanted to see the face of the 13-year-old, it's going to look yeah. 75. Yeah. Hey, you know how the thing was never kiss a man in a canoe? Yeah. I just, before I forget, should say that my first kiss was in a canoe. With... <laughs> With a man, well, a boy, my own uh-huh. age, not my sister's boyfriend. Okay, at summer camp, and um, yeah, look how I turned out. <laughs> and did you have a feeling that that was about to happen? Oh yeah, were you heading out on the canoe for kisses? It was the last night of camp. Everyone knew yeah. that was gonna. Every, oh. we, we were all pairing off. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and we were all <laughs> in the canoes watching this bonfire. But we were all the canoes were kind of gathered together and. Yeah, I'll never forget it. What if you stayed with him forever? Yeah. And he was with you through the ups and downs of your coke addiction and your, you know, your comedy career. And there he was, just your canoe. The steady presence. Yeah, just steady Eddie. Was his name Eddie? No, it was Kareem. Okay. And do you know where Kareem is? No, he was an exchange student. Oh, well, he's probably listening. Kareem, please write in. We would love to reconnect you with May Martin. I would love that. He said before he kissed me, he said, love is like fire. Fire burns forever. And I was like Chandler Bing. And I was like, "Ah, actually, (laughs) it burns out eventually. (laughs) (laughs) I remember it so vividly. I can't believe he said that to you. Yeah, he was a smooth talker. Wow. Yeah. What? say it again. Love is like fire. Fire burns forever. But I was like, why are you and talking he's about? Wrong. Yeah, he's so wrong. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the intention was there. And then you never heard from him. Yeah. Clearly, fire doesn't burn for well, though you are still thinking about him. Constantly. Yeah. yeah. Well, May, it was a real joy to have you here on Don't Ask Tig, and I think we really solved some some stuff. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Is there anything that you would like to tell the people about? Well, I think the Navy has more videos of UFOs that they haven't released. Mm, okay. I think we should all be more interested in that. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Great. It was a real pleasure to have you, and I'll see you at lunch, my friend. Thanks for having me. See you at lunch. Alrighty. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye.
Don't Ask Tig is hosted by me, Tig Notaro. It's produced by Thomas Willette, Shana Deloria, and Lauren Humphert. Our executive producer and editor is Beth Perlman. Engineering and sound mixing by Alex Simpson. Digital production by James Napoli. Talent booking by Marianne Ways. Our theme music is Friend in Tig by Edie Burkell and Kyle Crusham. And Listen to Your Heart by Edie Burkell. Special thanks to Hunter Seidman. APM Studios executives in charge are Chandra Kavadi, Alex Schaffert, and Joanne Griffith. Concept developed by Tracy Mumford. Our executive consultant is Dean Capello and Gobsmack Studios. You can always ask for advice at don'tasktig.org. Just write in with your problem or send us a voice memo. Remember to follow us on social media at Don't Ask Tig. Don't Ask Tig is a production of American Public Media. And as always, thanks, Dana, and I'll tell Becky. I'm stand-up comedian and sex symbol Tig Notaro. And I'm actor and writer Cheryl Hines. Before Cheryl and I got into the big business of podcasting together, <laughs> we were just simply friends. And we're still friends. But now we talk about a different documentary every week on our podcast, Tig and Cheryl, True Story. So whether you love documentaries or just want to hear us slowly lose our minds, check out Tig and Cheryl, True Story, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, cool. <laughs>